In the year 1628, a Dutch ship known as the Batavia set sail for Asia with a ton of gold and silver and a goal of returning the next year with a boatload of valuable spices. Then there was a mutiny. Then a shipwreck. Then a struggle to survive and seek rescue. Then a murder cult. And then a miniature civil war. If none of those events get your history genitals tingling, then you should go see a doctor because you're dead inside. The rest of you can go ahead and join us on this fun-filled booze cruise and enjoy this episode of 100 Proof History titled The Batavia, Setting Sail for Hell. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Hey, listener. You want some candy? Step inside my van. Hmm, all right. Just starting off there, okay. Mm. Well, that person trying to tempt you into their van is Gregory, the main host of this podcast. And uh, I'm your sexy host, Christopher. I'd like to welcome you to another edition of 100 Proof History. Yeah, welcome in. Find out more about us at 100proofhistory.com. There you can find all of our episodes, uh, look at our Patreon. I don't know, maybe become a patron. And also uh, look at our little mini bios. Mm-hmm. Bios, if you know what I mean. You know, I was thinking about this this week. You know, we've done about 35 regular shows and, uh, I don't know, 15, 16 of the mini episodes that you can only get through Patreon. But you start thinking about your craft and, you know, how you can improve or whatever. And I was thinking, man, we should probably do more upbeat intro, you know, with the, the theme music with Daniel. Because mm. we have this very weird setup. I can just picture this dude getting in the car and someone's recommended, you know, this history podcast to him. And he's sitting there with his family, his elderly mother. They're on their way to church. And you have the intro, you know, me talking about serious history or whatever. Might be a pun in there. And then we have the nice smooth jazz and you're like, all the horrible things people do to each other. And you're like, <laughs> that's, that's quirky. And then like five minutes into it, we're talking about how like our penises can open up like Venus flytraps <laughs> and swallow other people's penises, uh. you know, to get to grow in strength. And you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? And he's like rapidly mashing that pause button. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't me, grandma. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't know. Uh, like, I fucking knew it. We don't say history until like 15 minutes in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's an acquired taste. Whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, like you said, we do have a Patreon and we had a couple of new subscribers this week, including one at the elite VIP proofer tier, you know, the top tier $5. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, Alden. She's been a good listener. I don't know, the whole time we've been going. and uh, Yeah, she gave us our first review on iTunes, I believe. Yeah, and she went ahead and joined awesome. up with the Patreon. And at that $5 tier, you get any message you'd like uh, read by us. And she went ahead and just kept it, you know, pretty cool. Said, I'd just like to say, keep up the good work. And thank you for continuing to produce content to the masses during this strange time. So, very cool. Mm. Not every elite tier person has to you know, give us a message that uh, praises us, but it will help you get read. You know, you go in there and say, here's $5, you pieces of shit. Never mind. We'll read that too. Yeah, yeah. I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised people haven't taken advantage of that. <laughs> All right, Chris, tell the people what we're talking about today. 
Uh, today we're talking about the Batavia. This is kind of a crazy fucking story. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea anything about this uh, story existed. I was flipping through my Amazon account and it you know, recommends books you should read or whatever. And this one popped up. And I'm like, okay. That's, I guess, you know, I'm kind of into nautical stuff, so I start looking at it, I'm like, holy shit, this is a crazy fucking story. This is H.H. H. Holmes, Jonestown, fucking Donner Party all rolled into one neat little package. You're so pretentious. I am. Yeah, I'm into, I'm into nautical stuff. <laughs> fucking. Yeah. I told You and your I mean, Sperry's, I, wearing your Sperry's around town. On my boat that I can't take out. It's just sitting <laughs> in the concrete pad. <laughs> I'm yelling at random crackheads as they pass by. Come here and hoist the mizzen mast. What the fuck's a mizzen mast? I don't know. Come pull on this cord and then help me with my boat. (laughs) Penis joke. Show me your poop deck. (laughs) Well, our source today is Batavia's Graveyard. Uh, It is written by Mike Dash. Good book. Yeah, it is a good book. And a competitor for John Mann with made up fake name. Mike Dash sounds a little more real. Yeah, what's your name? Mike, uh, dash... The end. That's it. That's all I got, man. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, probably a pen name. Yeah, probably. But John Mann, like, if that's a pen name, <laughs> dude, growing imagination. Pen name. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Greg, well, what are you having to drink today, sir? I'm having a wild turkey long branch. I decided this about two minutes before we started. I'm ill-prepared, but I do have a tie-in. <laughs> Okay. As they're sailing around Africa and they're, you know, heading towards Java, which is modern day Jakarta, mm-hmm. they're passing by the Australian Isles because somebody decided to veer them a little off course. That was a was a long branch off course. <laughs> That's all I got. That's all I got, man. Woo! <laughs> what about you? Okay, well, I thought I was going to be the one reaching, but here we are. I'm having a Manhattan uh, made with George Dickel Rye. Most people may or may not know this. I don't actually know. Uh, But Manhattan is in New York, and that was founded by the Dutch. So we got that. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the characters in our story is a huge dick. Oh. Oh, for the Dickel. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if yours was any better. Yeah, we've we've run out of steam on these fucking tie-ins. How do you tie in... 1628 journey across the ocean from the Netherlands to Indonesia. Well, I was going to yeah, use that... my Jefferson's Ocean, but I already did that <laughs> for uh... Uh, Robert Smalls. That's right. He was on a boat. <laughs> that was my tie-up. <laughs> and there's a boat on the front of Jefferson's Ocean. <laughs> yeah, mine are often weak, I guess. My whole thing is, you know, I've got pretty decent collection, but it's hard not to repeat things when I'm s- supposed to, you know... Be social distancing. I can't just run to the liquor store every other day like I normally do. <laughs> so, you know, settling for what I have. You say that, man, but I have never seen the liquor stores busier. Like oh, I've I still go been to. going. I just, you know, I try to I try to limit it. They got these Crown Royal placemats all around the store so you can stay six feet away from everybody. <laughs> yeah. You ready to... Stick this boat in that wet, wet ocean. Mm, what was the, the thing where you slip the, the poor, I don't know. Poop deck. Yes. Roofie. Yeah. <laughs> Roofie's on the poop deck. I'm very into nautical things, Greg. <laughs> yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. Yes, let's put the boat in the water. That's what you're supposed to do. Okay. 
I told you, I know a lot about boats, Greg. <laughs> in the early 1600s, spices were all the rage in Europe. Butchers liked to hang their sour and decaying meat up in the markets for people to buy, and nothing covered the taste of rotting meat like some freshly cracked pepper. Like you're sitting at the table, and it's just fucking putrid, green-ass ground beef, and the guy walks over with the, the cracked pepper. Yeah. He's like, you like any? he's like, tell me, uh-huh. tell me when, <laughs> yeah, tell me when, yeah, fucking go, all right, and just, sir, have you fallen asleep? No, <laughs> no, is your fucking hand asleep? Let's go, <laughs> put it in overdrive. <laughs> well, the problem was pepper came from the spice islands in Asia, specifically those in Java, which, as Greg said earlier, is modern day Indonesia or Jakarta, which is the capital of Indonesia. The Dutch built a fleet of ships and formed the Dutch East India Company, which was referred to as the VOC in the Netherlands. The VOC quickly became leaders in the importing of spices and got super rich doing so, forming one of the world's first corporations, and probably the first corporation to have its own army. Yeah, I guess uh, maybe the Silk Road wasn't like so much of a, an organization as it was just that was the route that people took. Yeah, yeah. Like when they were trading with China, you know, Marco Polo story days. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you had like uh, protected like routes and forts and such. Mm-hmm. So you can move the spice from that way across uh, Europe. But these guys went all the way around. And this wasn't like, uh, this wasn't like the Silk Road that most people know, right? Right. The one where you buy shrooms online and, you know, hire people to kill people. You know, good shit. Yeah. Good old sex trafficking. Mm. Uh, Oh, yeah. Big fan of that. Jesus. (laughs) I regret saying that. Immediately regretted saying (laughs) that. Yes. (laughs) I love, like, sometimes when I feel like I'm going too far, and then you one-up it, I'm like, okay, I'm in the clear. I'm (laughs) good. Oh, they'll definitely go after him with that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) I'm untouchable. In 1628, the VOC completed construction on one of their flagships, the Batavia. She was 160 feet long, weighed 650 tons, and was armed with 30 cannons, just like Greg's mom. Ooh, I don't know what that means, but my mom is so sexy. (laughs) I mean, I mean... If she weighs 650 tons, man, that's just more cushion for the pushing. The Batavia was named after the Dutch capital of Java, Batavia. So that's what they called it. That's what they named their ship. The whole thing was such a capitalist endeavor that the most powerful man on the ship was actually a merchant. On the Batavia, this man was Francisco Pelsart. He had worked with the VOC for a few years, and they were actually about to fire him until he proposed that they start trading silver plates to the Asian natives, which apparently was just a fucking genius idea. He's like, hey, what if we just gave them some silver plates they can, you know eat their crazy fucking fried rice off of it. That'd be great, right? Like, like, why is that such a great idea? I don't know. I feel like something's missing in this story. Like, do they have a, like a think tank of one person and then he knows he's the only one. So he's like, oh yeah, you know, every couple months he'll come out with some bullshit idea and he, he's about to get fired and he's like, why don't we take this thing and sell it to him? (laughs) Oh, you're promoted. (laughs) Fucking genius. Why didn't we... Sell it. Oh, Oh, God. We were just hoarding them. Yeah. Genius. I've just been sitting in my penthouse jerking off on these silver plates. Now we can actually (laughs) move them? What? The weird thing is, it is a weird, like, oversight. It's like one of those things that the story Mike Nash just kind of breezes through. It's like, he called them toys and said he'd sell them to the people in India. Like, plates are toys? I don't understand, Mike. Like, can we slow down and... (laughs) Yeah, I... I didn't get it. it was just, <laughs> what? 
Okay. Well, apparently it was a fantastic idea. It was sliced bread of 1628. They, maybe they just thought, like, those people were so low that they're like, oh, they'll see shiny and think toy. But then, of <laughs> course, they're just normal fucking people. So they're like, oh, silver? Fuck yeah, we'll buy silver. Yeah. They just thought they're so fucking stupid. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, ooga booga, shiny. <laughs> like, okay, you want to give me 500 silver plates for this kosher salt? This pound of kosher salt? Yeah, okay. I'm the <laughs> idiot. I'm the backwards one, okay? <laughs> You just bust out the Morton's fucking table salt. There you go. <laughs> yeah, here you are, buddy. Now give me all the silver, you stupid motherfucker. Gives him some fucking garlic powder, but not the, the $5 one, the like 50 cent one, the Walmart brand. Oh. Like, here you go. It's like pre-clumped. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Just like my semen. Jesus. Shooting bullets out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> the captain of the Batavia was Ariane Jacobs who had met Pelsart one time, and the two men just fucking hated each other. Jacobs was a drunk, and when he got drunk, his mouth got him in trouble. I don't know what that's like at all. <laughs> See, this, this is my wife. My wife. When I drink, her mouth gets her in trouble. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> this weird inverse effect. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> when Jacobs and Pelsart had met before, Jacobs had insulted the merchant, and Pelsart complained, which got Jacobs in trouble. And apparently that was enough to just cause bad blood for, you know, the rest of their lives. Tattletale. I was drunk, bro. It was just a fucking prank. Come to me like a man. Say it to my fucking food. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to. That's why I did it behind your back. That's why I wasn't told on <laughs> it you. It makes me uncomfortable to say it to your face. I don't do confrontation, okay? I just don't do <laughs> it's, it. It's <laughs> genuinely how I feel, but fuck, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be yelled at. Sorry. On October 27, 1628, Batavia set sail carrying 341 passengers. Among the passenger was a minister, Giesbert Bastions, and a wealthy, attractive young woman named Lucretia Jans. Lucretia was traveling east to meet up with her husband, who had been gone for three years. Her three children had all died, and, aside from her maid, she traveled alone on a ship full of horny drunks on an eight-month journey. Dude, like... She's traveling east to meet up with her husband, right? Mm -hmm. He's been gone for three years. All three of her fucking children have died. Like, I feel like this is a classic, Lucy, you got some splaining to do. <laughs> yeah. Except, oh. like, he's going to be devastated and, you know, <laughs> yeah. There's no way they can love each other again. But basically, basically the Ricky Ricardo thing. Y yeah, probably. And, oh, man. I Okay, I'm going to tread very lightly here because I do not want to blame her for anything that's about to happen, but it doesn't seem like a good idea to be a single, attractive female sailing on a ship full of horny drunks for eight months, you know, basically unattended in this time period, you know? It's not a good idea. I understand what you're saying, and it's not victim blaming or anything like that. Yeah. It's just not a good idea to do something like that. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know what the alternative was. Stay in Netherlands and, you know, hook up with another... Well, she lost three children, you know? Yeah. Well, why don't you just Maybe she just wants to be with... With her husband? Big Daddy again, you know? Yeah. Well, unsurprisingly, both Jacobs and Pelsart hit on her, but she rejected their advances. Also in Batavia was a dude named Euronymous Cornelius. Euronymous was a Dutch pharmacist. His son had died when he contracted syphilis from his wet nurse, 
His pharmacy had gone belly up, and he had tried to run from his creditors. Is this a second story in a row with wet nurse? It is a second story in a row. But you didn't know what the fuck wet nurse was last time? (laughs) Well, I learned it from this story, okay? And apparently her boob milk can give you syphilis. Yeah, I didn't know that, honestly, until this story. But, uh, you know, we've previously heard about a uh, pharmacist who's always on the run from his creditors, and he was a swell guy. Mm-hmm. And just, yeah, <laughs> he was quite all right. Yeah, just like uh, him, Cornelius is just a stand-up dude, just trying to do right by, you know, his family. But Cornelius did not have a murder castle like H.H. H. Holmes. No. I bet you he would have loved one, though. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Well, Cornelius left his wife and joined up with the VOC as an undermerchant. Well, going forward, it'll also be important to remember that Euronymous was also a libertine, which meant he believed there was no hell, and if God had created him, and God knew what sins he would commit, then they weren't really sins at all, and he was living as the perfect being that God had created. That could be a very dangerous line of thought quickly. (laughs) It could. Like, no matter what mistakes I make. God already knew I was going to do them, and so I'm I'm fulfilling his destiny for me. <laughs> so you can just do whatever the fuck you want, because that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah, and that's that's exactly how he viewed the world, and it's just fucking... Uh-huh. <laughs> well, of course, in the Netherlands, they viewed this as heresy, and they were thinking about arresting his ass. And that's another reason why maybe he thought he had to hop on the Batavia and get the hell out of Dodge. On the ship, the captain and the merchant got to live in a cabin on the top deck. Ooh, you know they were, you know they were fucking <laughs> up in the penthouse suite. I was gonna say they hated each other, but basically every sitcom I've ever seen, you know, it's basically yeah, I hate you, I hate you, and they passionately start making out. Uh huh. And then exactly. one of them's penis opens up like a Venus flytrap and swallows the other's oh, penis. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's called docking, my friend. Mm-hmm. And that's a nautical-themed approach to it. Uh, Docking. Yeah, that is a boat thing. Good call, you, Greg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you claim to be fucking super Mr. Nautical Man. Oh, yeah, I do claim that. But then every time I'm reading something, I'm like, port? Uh, what fucking side is the port side? Fuck, I don't know. Let me Wikipedia that shit. Starboard, starboard. All right, this is how I remember it. And then you forget it like three months later. <laughs> Fuck. Like bow. Okay, because the ship comes together kind of like a bow so that's the bow and the stern's in the back and then like 10 minutes later i'm like the bow stern because that's how i treat my wife's (laughs) any mnemonic really you come up with yeah it it all fails because i just start (laughs) just start thinking about what i do to my wife's ass that's all (laughs) just daydreaming (laughs) (laughs) the sailors lived on the deck below the captain and the merchant and the soldiers lived on the third deck known as the cow deck I don't know why. There were no fucking cows there. It was steerage, Greg. <laughs> That's a nautical term. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the book doesn't explain why it's called that either. No. Well, that deck was so small, they couldn't stand up. And it was so Your clo- deck's so small. It is. I do have a tiny deck. I've built a deck on the outside of my efficiency apartment. My neighbors are mad. Especially that time I started a... A small fire with my Weber grill. Just fucking tipped it over on my deck that I built on the outside of this uh, this rickety building that's failed several inspections. I don't know how, how this place hasn't been condemned yet, but uh, my deck is small. Oh, you're making a penis joke. Yeah. My, no, no, my, just the deck. <laughs> okay. The deck. Okay, good. Because my dick is small. 
Well, that deck was so small they couldn't stand up, and it was so close to the water line they couldn't have portholes or vents. They still have some glory holes, though. (laughs) Maybe. Dude, it's a bunch of dudes on board. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're just gay for the stay. Well, you know, you get to mainland, mm -hmm. it's back to your normal proclivities, but you got to get it, you know. Yeah, you know, I was reading something online. We're joking, obviously, but I was reading something online about people. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. People talking about working in like a coal mine and like it's just pitch black. And, like, they've never had their dick grabbed as many times in their life as they have when they got into that coal mine just by random dudes just, like, goosing their dick. And it's like, oh, lights go out, everybody just kind of turns gay. All right, well, well. Well, a lot of people in coal mines are naked anyway. <sighs> you didn't know that? Just covered in the dust. It's, like, hot as shit down there. <clears throat> it's glistening, just muscly. You ever see the sud drill down the crack of a man's ass? <sighs> <laughs> Is it time for break yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you mentioned the glory holes and gay for the stay, and you gotta do something. Those soldiers were only allowed to leave the deck twice a day for 30 minutes a time, so they could go up to the top deck to use the latrines. That's a toilet for you, uh, Texas folk. This deck quickly became a dank, dark pit that reeked of human excrement and body odor. Ooh, sounds like a present that I got for you, Chris. <laughs> you know what I mean? Does it got coal sludge running down it? Because that's my new thing. That's my kink. Oh, God. <laughs> Over the line. <laughs> oh, and those latrines we mentioned were basically holes in the top deck that were completely open to the environment, and anyone who cared to watch you squat over the hole and squeeze one out. Little known fact, this is where the term poop deck comes from. Also, that's a lie. <laughs> okay, I was about to say, is it? That's cool. That's a cool <laughs> fact. <laughs> I love cool facts. <laughs> I'm going to put that on Twitter as a fun fact. <laughs> uh, and you know what? If you want to uh, wipe your ass after you squatted over this hole, well, there's good news for you. You didn't have to use your hands. A rope dangled through the hole and down to the water, and the frayed wet end of that rope served as toilet paper. So basically this rope is it's being cleaned mm-hmm. by it having the frayed end. And it's just dragging along in the water. Yeah. So, number one, you couldn't go right after somebody else because, but you know what I would do? Hmm. I'd be, I'd be a dick and I'd wipe my ass with like the beginning of the rope (laughs) so that the next guy that grabbed it it was just straight doo-doo, baby. You know, you say that and the, our main source actually does mention this. Um, He mentions that the rope was just constantly covered in shit because like these soldiers would get up there and they have. There's a hundred soldiers on deck, and they have thirty minutes for all of them to take their daily shit. They're not pulling the whole thing up. No, it's just and then wiping it with something <laughs> that somebody else already wiped themselves with, like two minutes prior. But yeah, what if you are the very first guy in line? You're like, watch this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brand new frayed rope. You're just doing it to fucking troll. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, God damn it, Greg, not again. <laughs> <laughs> on the ship, lice and rats were their constant companions. As far as food went, they kept pigs and chickens on the top decks, but those only lasted for so long, and the best cuts went to the captain and his guests. A lot of the meat had to be brined and dried in salt or pickled in vinegar. Nothing like some good old pickled chicken. You ever had it? No, I haven't, actually. Not me either. (laughs) He did say they would boil this meat until basically all the 
the water comes out of it or the juices come out of it makes a salty brine and then they'd brine it in that and it'd just be crusted in salt and you don't have any fresh water yeah man it's just gotta be awful trying to eat that Mm -hmm. the bread got so hard that it cracked their teeth and had to be dipped in stew or water to be eaten and they had to tap it against the wall to knock out all the bugs that had taken up residence inside it was pretty common to lose several passengers to scurvy and you know what all this was normal shit for a long trip on a 1620s ship. Like, no, this is smooth sailing. As a matter of fact, everything was going smoothly for the Batavia. They followed the established routes around the western half of Europe, hit the Gulf Stream towards South America, and then hung a hard left back towards Cape of Good Hope down at the tip of Africa, where they stopped to get supplies. And only ten people had died of scurvy, so we're doing pretty good. Still... You know, I'll give that an 8.5 out of 10 on the uh, VOC TripAdvisor page. But once they got to the Cape, things took a turn. Around the Cape, because that's the, the established route. No, turn for the worse, that's what I meant. What's the nautical term for turn? Uh, You're such a poser. You just like your, wearing your fucking <laughs> sperries, your stupid sailor hat. I like dressing like uh, Thurston Howell III from Gilligan's Island. My fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, okay. Very obscure reference. Yeah, like all it. of our 18, 12 to 18-year-old listeners are going to fucking love that one. 12-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope not. When they arrived at Cape of Good Hope on April 14, 1629, Captain Jacobs hopped in a rowboat and went to visit the other ships in the VOC fleet. He proceeded to get pissed drunk and fight everyone. <laughs> The captains of those ships complained to Palsert, who promptly tore Jacobs a new one. I love this captain. I don't care. Captain, my captain. That poem, if I wrote that poem, it'd be about this guy who just gets hammered drunk and fights everybody all the time. Jacobs went to his new friend, Euronymus Cornelius, and started complaining. The captain said, if there weren't other ships around, he'd beat the shit out of Palsert and take the ship for himself. Now, this was dangerous talk. If Palsert heard that, he would have been well within his right to have Jacobs executed on the spot. But Cornelius just said, and how would you manage that? A plan emerged to have the ship drift away from the fleet and towards Australia, which they called South Island or Terra Australis. And this section of land had never been explored by Europeans. No, they're just kind of guessing that there was an island down there. They have no idea how big it is. Yeah, it's just kind of barren looking, you Mm -hmm. know. On that west coast, so they're just, yeah, not going to fuck with it right now. One guy tried We're to, on a trade route. One guy tried to land there, and there's a bunch of spiders and snakes, and some dude offering him a shitty can of Fosters, and he's like, nope, out. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it was all that fucking reef that'll wreck the fuck out of your ship, but, uh, you know, maybe that'll come up. Spoiler Jesus. Now, this ship drifting off, it wouldn't look suspicious because it happened all the time. The next step would be to find men to help them take the ship and kill anyone who tried to stop them. They approached Jan Everett's, the ship's boatswain, which is basically the guy in charge of all the sailors on the deck, and he joined in and found a handful of other men willing to join. Why would the men be willing to mutiny, you might ask? Well, they were paid like shit, they lived like shit, and if they broke any rules, they were flogged with a whip, stapled to the mast with a knife through their hand, or dragged under the ship and nearly drowned. So, it's not surprising that the idea of stealing the ship and becoming pirates was appealing to some. Man, these punishments were fucking brutal. Like, literally, they would oh, yeah. drive a knife through your hand to the post, and you had two options. You could kind of, like, 
fall down and let the knife cut all the way through your hand, or you can try and pull it off and leave a big giant fucking hole in your hand. And then the other one was called keel hauling, where, like you said, they tie a rope around you, on like your arms and legs, and then just in a circular motion drag you under the boat, and you just be either cut to bits by the fucking barnacles if they went too slow or too fast. If they went too slow, you risk drowning. It's just crazy brutal. Well, others would still need to be convinced to be turned against Pausert and the VOC. They had a plan for that, too. On May 14th, eight men grabbed Lucretia Jans. Remember the uh, the lady that had lost her kids and was trying to join up with her husband? I think the most important note is she was super hot. Oh, yeah, and she was hot. Yeah. Well, eight men grabbed her as she was walking back to her cabin. They dragged her to an unoccupied part of the deck and proceeded to smear shit on her face and sexually assaulted her by groping her vagina. They wore masks, but she knew one of the men was Jan Everett's because one of the other dumbasses said his name during the assault. Sorry to laugh about the assault, but, I mean, that's kind of fucking stupid. You're all masked, <laughs> and you're just going to talk to your buddy like, you know, he's your buddy. Hey, hey, Jan, what are you doing? Well, I'm smearing shit on her face. What are you doing? Well, I'm touching her vagina. Oh. Uh. <laughs> hey, Jan Everts. <laughs> Jan Everts, boat swain of the Batavia. <laughs> Six foot one, 180 pounds, blonde hair, blue eyes. <laughs> Got a freckle right near his anus. It's not gay that I know that. I've just seen it. I'm just saying. It's, you know, we're on a ship. He's on a poop deck. Yeah. <laughs> the mutineer's idea had been that Palsert would find out about the assault demand that the perpetrators reveal themselves, and when they refuse, he would punish all the men and they'd be willing to turn against him. But Palser didn't take any action. The conspirators then said, fuck it, let's just throw him overboard and see what happens. But before they took action, disaster struck. Even though Jacobs knew that there was a strong current that ran from the northern coastline of Australia towards Java, Captains in the 1620s basically guided their ships by gut feeling, and it wasn't uncommon for them to be off course by several miles. Such was the case at 3 a.m. on June 4th. Yeah, so, you know, I was a kid, they're like bragging, you know, Columbus obviously was a big deal when I was a kid, before they started talking about how maybe he was a piece of shit. Uh, We were still taught that Columbus discovered America, sailed all these boats from Spain and all that. They're always like, oh yeah, he used the stars to navigate. I'm like, okay, what about the fucking daytime? And like, if you go outside, you're like, okay, there's the North Star. I'm going to start walking towards a fucking star and stay on this same course north. Yeah, it's, it's complete horseshit. They're just basically like, this kind of feels like the right way. You know, we're going the general direction we need to, but you can be hundreds of miles north or south of where you're trying to go. Oh, yeah. The Batavia's lookout saw white water on the horizon and believed that it was a reef. Jacobs disagreed and believed it was just the reflection of the moonlight. Well, the ship struck the reef at full fucking speed. The ship began to crack and break. The men hurriedly dumped the cannons and food and water overboard to try and lighten the ship so it would rise off of the reef to no avail. The wind pushed the mainsail and forced the ship further up onto the reef. When the sun began to rise, they realized that the water was receding and they were stuck and so they cut down the main mast, which crashed onto the deck, doing even more damage. And as we've established, Greg, I am a nautical expert. Yeah. The main mast is the main mast that holds the sail, the main sail. And so if you cut that, it's going to be harder to sail. Okay, back to you. Okay. <laughs> I feel like you've became a nautical expert from a Lego set about pirates. <laughs> Actually, I learned everything I need to know 
for this story by watching the movie Titanic, which now that I'm realizing doesn't really apply to this story because, you know, there's no sex in a car in this story. And that's that's the, the primary difference. Which is bullshit. Yeah, it is bullshit. What? Uh, can't have sex in a car. I want to see that steamy hand going down the window. Mm-hmm. That's the only reason you I know? listened to this. I read this whole book just waiting for it. Just waiting for, draw me like one of your French girls, Jacobs. And you're like, oh, Pelissard, I thought you'd never ask. And, whew, but nope. Never happened. Nope. They just fucking sailed into a reef, I guess. And a bunch of people. I flipped the page, dick in hand, mm-hmm. the end. God <laughs> damn it. <laughs> yeah. I was just waiting. I was going to, as soon as I climaxed, I was going to shout, I'm king of the world. Never happened. <laughs> I went through like 370 fucking pages, <laughs> dick in hand. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, and Mike I flipped, Dash. I flipped the page and it's all goddamn bibliography bullshit. Mike Dash is such a cock tease. He knows it too. I don't know how many, got, how many times you guys have tried to jack off to bibliographies. It's tough. It is. So, yeah. Fuck you, Mike Dash. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I still finished, but. I had to think about something else. It just took a while. <laughs> all those years and references. You know, I don't know. MLA format. Mm. What did it for me is I got to the acknowledgments. I'm like, oh, he's so grateful. Jizz in my pants. <laughs> well, because I, I was on the bus. Uh, you know, when, I, when, when I finally got mine. <laughs> Your dick in hand. <laughs> through, through the pocket when I was reading and eventually got it. So I did jizz in my pants. So. Yeah, because we, you know, that's, that's common. Everybody has the pants where the pockets are cut out. So you can kind of just slip in there. Well, I'm not going to act like a fucking homeless person and then just... You know, pull it out willy-nilly for everyone to see. No, that's Ugh. ridiculous. That'd be creepy, yeah. dude. I mean, I don't know how anybody else waits at the DMV to get their license renewed, but if you don't have a whole pocket, you're doing your life fucking wrong. Yeah, everybody's on their phones. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there on mine, porn full of volume. <laughs> but covering myself, okay? Yeah. Pretty much an upstanding citizen. You are. And I checked the box for uh, organ donor, so. You are the hero we need. (laughs) I got this organ for you. (laughs) You can't have it. It's mine. (laughs) I'm almost finished with it, though. Just let me finish this big bibliography. Oh, my God. (laughs) I'm sure we were talking about history a minute ago. Can we? (laughs) Yeah, probably. Who cares? Well, some were killed in the collision. Others began to jump off of the ship in an attempt to swim to nearby islands, which were miles away. Most of them who jumped were smashed to death on the coral reef. Whoops. At 10 a.m., water began to pour into the hull of the ship. The captain and Pelser loaded up passengers on the two smaller vessels that the ship carried and began to row them to a nearby island. The sailors on board the ship broke into the ship's stores and began to drink all the liquor and began to hurl fistfuls of coin at each other like snowballs. <laughs> Fuck yeah. That's how I would be. It's a bachelor party in fucking Vegas, yeah, baby. You know what? Fuck it. We're going to die. Might as well get drunk and throw some bouillon at each other. <laughs> Throughout the day, about 240 people were moved to two small islands near the reef. These tiny islands were barren with no vegetation or fresh water. About 40 people huddled on one island with Captain Jacobs and Pelsert. The rest were on another island, which would later become known as Batavia's Graveyard. Oh, that's not foreboding. You know what? We haven't even mentioned our invalid producer today. Is he all right? 
He's fine. Well, I just thought maybe that'd be a good place for a Halloween noise. Maybe he could do something instead of just sit there and mooch off of us, live off the- Wolf dick! There we go. Okay, I'm just glad he's okay because I know we can't afford his nurse right now. Maybe that should be just our Patreon goal. It's like, save Wolf Dick. No one would donate to that. No, never mind. I'm sorry. That's stupid. They'd let him I die. I actually, I bought up all the uh, the N95 masks mm-hmm. at the local pharmacy. Uh, sorry, everyone else, but I basically, I put one on his mouth uh-huh. and I was like, huh, it hides his hideous face. <laughs> and I just kind of put one over one eye, then the other eye. He looks like a giant, like, 80 titty N95 mask mm. looking monster you know it's just they cover his head it's like hellraiser uh-huh. but instead of the spikes it's just the bulbous in 95 masks well you know what I'd, so i'd like to applaud you he's safe i i really would like to applaud you because you've grown as a person because i feel like six months ago you would just put the mask on yourself stood over him and like you're gonna die motherfucker look at this mask Ooh, you're gonna get corona not me but you've gotten better so i'm proud of you I mean, the main mask does have a glory hole cut out of it, <laughs> right for the mouth. So. so he can eat animal crackers. God, get your head out of the gutter, listener. Jesus. Oh, what What were they thinking? They were thinking. Oh. Yeah. Oh. That you would sexually abuse an invalid. What is wrong with these people? <gasps> Unbelievable. Unsubscribe right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I was saying, about 40 people huddled up with the Captain Jacobs and Pelser, the merchant. So and then, you know, the rest were on the, the island, like we were saying, known yeah. as Batavia's Graveyard. Well, another 70, mostly drunken sailors, were left on the shipwreck. Also left on deck was Euronymous Cornelius. Oh, good. He's going to die. Problem solved. The end. This is what God wants me to do. He wants me to get drunk on a ship and die. <laughs> That's what I told my wife when we went on a cruise that one time. <laughs> It was a Disney cruise. With, with, with the uh, all-inclusive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just have as much booze as you want. <laughs> this is what God wants, you bitch. <laughs> I'm a libertine. I am perfect. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, please stop yelling at Mickey. I'm like, no, fuck him. He's a, a fucking anthropomorphic mouse. I'll fucking... <laughs> I'll tell him what's what. I'm a libertine. <laughs> then all of a sudden, like... Just big old fat fucking full white bearded dude comes up. You know, he's got a yellow shirt with a coiled snake on it. He's like, oh, I'm I'm libertarian too. Fuck these roads and toilets and any sort of social <laughs> services. And you're like, oh, oh, no, no, I'm not that crazy. I'm libertine, stupid. I'm a libertine, not a libertarian. <laughs> That's Go what on. I do. I go to the 7-Eleven and I just grab all the, the packs of Orbit's gum and shove them in my pockets and run out screaming, I'm a libertine. <laughs> God says I'm perfect. <laughs> Yeah! God's got my back! (laughs) With no water on the islands, Jacobs and Pelsert decided to set out for other islands in the archipelago to look for resources. They found a larger island with some vegetation and wildlife, but couldn't locate any fresh water. And so, they decided to take their small boat... Yeah, it would be small. ...toward the coastline of Australia. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's It's not the size of the boat, Greg. It's the motion of the ocean. Yeah, but if you had like a kayak, <laughs> this would have been a real long fucking journey, right? <laughs> but yeah, so they had no idea what they were going to find on this coastline. Back on Batavia's graveyard, the survivors began to hoard and use up the limited supplies they had been able to salvage during their escape. 
After four days without water, ten of the shipwreck survivors died. Luckily, it rained on June 9th, enough to replenish their supplies, and rained off and on enough in the coming days to keep them alive. They'd still need food, shelter, and eventual rescue, but things were looking up. But on June 12th, Batavia finally broke up completely. Twenty of the 70 men who stayed on board drowned or were beat to death by the waves crashing on the reef. Unfortunately for all of the survivors, Euronymous Cornelius? Yeah, he'd washed up on the shore alive and well. And things are about to get wacky. Break time? Yeah, why don't we, uh, that's a good place to just take a nice little pause. You know, we've, we've had some death, we've had some destruction, but nothing like what's coming. Oh, it gets, it gets nasty. Yeah. Just like butt nasty. My nipples are so hard right now. Running through the Sahara, going mudding. 30 minutes, butt nasty. <laughs> okay. I just really want to put some emphasis on how butt nasty it's about to get. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, replenish our beverages. Let's, um, you know, sit in silence in our own separate little drink areas and wish we were together discussing the ways of the world and all the other things we discuss in our hour-long breaks. And then we'll come back and talk about this story some more. Stupid COVID-19. Mm-hmm. I miss you, buddy. <laughs> I miss you. Well, all right, Greg, we are back from break. Yay! Yeah. Uh, we both had some good times. We were having a good time, I think. And then we looked at like social media and it immediately depressed the shit out of us because we realized like 40% of the people that we know or, or exist just in general are kind of dumb. But uh, not you, listener. You're not one of those dummies. No, you're, of course you're not. You're one of the 60% of the smart people. And I bet you're sexy too. I've never seen you, but. Uh, I know you're sexy, uh, listener. Yeah, you have to be. You have. You just have to be. Mm hmm. No uggos listen to this show. I'll tell you that right now. No way. No, no chance. No fucking way. No. You, you just go right now. After I finish this sentence, you pause this podcast. You go look in the mirror. Gently touch one of your nipples and go, yeah, I'm sexy. I am. I listen to Hunter Proof History. And that makes me the sexy. They already paused it. You completed it. Oh, no. They came ago. back and heard all that. They just paused it. And they're like, what now? What do I do now? <laughs> you're not smart. <laughs> but you're pretty. You are one of the dumb ones. <laughs> you're one of the 40 percenters. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I have had some more drinks. More Manhattan, if you will. And you will. But I have. Um, did you uh, have a few more drinks there in the break, Gregory? I actually didn't. What? Nah, I had to clean the pool. Mm. Oh, oh I had to clean that dugout hole behind the Denny's. That's right. Like, why do these homeless people keep shitting here? <laughs> this is obviously an oasis. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this guy swallowed a condom. Why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> There's no sustenance in here. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad we're back. I'm glad... I had more drinks, and you, you can catch up as I talk during this next segment. I had too much in the first half. I had to slow it down a little to get on your level. Mm. 
but I feel like you have... I've caught up. You have exceeded me. You've taken first place. Yeah, we should have communicated this because I'm like, oh, man, Greg's <laughs> really drunk. I got to catch up. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh, no, we need to slow it down. Chris isn't quite there yet. And now, oh, shit, the ship has gone off the rails. My, 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 how the turntables. And like I, I told you, I'm a nautical expert. So when I say the ship goes off the rails, you know what I meant. Yep. <laughs> Happens all the time in Nauticus. <laughs> yep. I wear Nautica cologne, so... Oh, dude, you're a seafaring expert. I am. I smell exactly like these sailors on the Batavia smelled. Well, why don't you give us a quick recap? All right, quick recap. The East Dutch Indies Company, or VOC, uh, their ship, the Batavia, set sail for Java in October of 1628. The ship's captain, Jacobs, got pissed at the head dick in charge merchant, Pelsart, and he decided to instigate a mutiny through sexual assault. And that failed because some dumbass identified the, you know, assaulters and tipped off Pelsart. Well, then the ship got off course and they ran aground on some coral reef and the ship began to sink and they had to search for supplies and people are dead. We're looking for water. Nothing else could go wrong. Okay, let's get into what goes wrong. Here we go. (laughs) When Cornelius, that's Euronymous Cornelius, the undermerchant who believed in nothing... Which, you know, it reminded me of Big Lebowski when I was reading this. Mm-hmm. The nihilists. Yeah, he's like, uh, say what you will about the tenets of national socialism, but at least that's an ethos, <laughs> you know, and this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's like, I don't believe in shit. I'm a perfect being because God says I am. Well, anyways, when he got on shore, he was the most senior member of the VOC remaining on the islands since Pelsart had booked it for Australia. They pretty much instantly put him in charge, and they were relieved to have an intelligent, educated man at the helm since their food stores would probably only last a few more days. That is when Captain Jacobs' assistant started telling everyone how Jacobs had planned a mutiny and was going to steal the ship before they smashed into the reef. He didn't mention Cornelius' name, but Euronymous knew this was likely to happen and began to plan mutiny too. Mutiny harder. Yes. <laughs> Well, Cornelius figured that if a rescue ship came, it would have a bare-bones crew so that the survivors would have room to board it. Well, instead of boarding that ship, he planned to build a small army, hijack the rescue ship, and live the rest of his life as a pirate in the southern seas. Over the next week, he began to recruit his army. Well, how he did so is lost to history, but he was a smooth talker, and he already convinced them to mutiny well, you know, when things were shitty on a boat with supplies, well, now things were shitty on an island with no supplies, so how hard could it have been? Mm. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me, listener. In the third week of June, he gathered all the weapons into one tent that he and his men were placed in charge of. This is very Jim Jonesian. Just, we got all the weapons, motherfucker. And obviously, he took his cues from Jim Jones 250 years before Jonestown. Just saying. Or 350 years. <laughs> I'm good at math. You could bend fucking space time. Yep. Are you going to fuck with this dude? Yeah. I'm not. No, fuck no. He believes in nothing and he can time travel. And he's like, yeah, that Jim Jones had some great fucking ideas. I bet you I can do that. I'd be like, yeah, yep, you can. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't kill my kids. So in this scenario, he can time travel, but he's not like, you know, maybe we shouldn't wreck the ship. He's instead like, I got some ideas for when we do wreck the ship and I'm on this island starving to death. Now I'll be like Jim Jones. Fucking genius. <laughs> Euronymous then sent a large group of people to the barren island that Jacobs and Pelsart had initially landed on 
now known as Trader's Island, he left them with a barrel of water and told them to build boats. He took more people to another small island called Seal's Island, left another barrel of water, and told them to gather supplies. And that was the worst island to be on. I don't know if you noticed this in our source, but it was Seal's Island, kissed by the rose on the grave, just on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be stuck in my head the rest of this time. I've been kissed by a rose on the green. Man, you're awful. Sync up with me, motherfucker. That's going to be so hard just to put that in. God damn it. Oh, if we were in the same room, we would have nailed that. I'm just going to say it. Well, yeah. But now we're separated by miles. We can't sing Seal like we want to. Coronavirus is just bullshit. That's all I'm going to say. It's just bullshit. Oh, I hate it. Mm-hmm. Even when we're not recording this podcast, we like to sit around in the same room and sing Seal. Everybody knows that. So just uh, Everybody does that. Yeah. Well, how was your day? Well, let me tell you. There's something. I don't know the words. I get lost. <laughs> My power, <laughs> my pleasure, my pain. I sound exactly like Seal. <laughs> See some facial scars? I'll take this show on the road. Oh, man. Euronymous then had all the surviving soldiers, led by a private named Weeby Hayes, sent to a larger island in the north. Their instructions were to light a fire and send a signal if they found water. This was the same island that Jacobs and Pelsart had searched to no avail a few weeks earlier. Batavia's graveyard had declined in population from about 280 to 140. That's a... That's a lot. That's a half for all you Mm -hmm. math whizzes keeping track at home. You're like, okay, (laughs) start with 341, lost 10. Let's compute. Lost 10. That is half. Holy shit. Oh. Yeah, that's about how my brain works. Like, oh. (laughs) A monkey... You know, a gr- the organ grinder playing and the monkeys dancing. You're like, oh, no, no, no. yes, it is half. That's correct. <laughs> I had a fifth of vodka and I drank half of it. Now I have a a tenth. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> well, the question remained: Who would be loyal to the VOC and who would be loyal to Euronymous? And there still wasn't enough food for everyone. So, what do we do in that situation, Greg? There's not enough food. Maybe people aren't on board with your plan. No, you're all friends and you gather the rations and formulate a plan to search out food and fresh water. Form a democracy. You know, have a vote based on head, not order. You know, you don't have the electoral college. It's just a straight person person vote. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like that plan. Well, Euronymous decided it was time to start brutally murdering people. Oh. It's a different different path, you know. Yeah. You know. He's slightly. You know, pros and cons, both sides. But uh, he's like, you know what? Let's just kill these motherfuckers. Well, first, Cornelius had a man executed for allegedly breaking into the stores and stealing food. Then he accused two engineers of attempting to build rafts and abandon the survivors. Like, okay, where the fuck are they going to go? The other island, dude. I'm selling back to Nether- the Netherlands. Fuck you, Cornelius. <laughs> <laughs> On a raft. <laughs> well, one of his underlings stabbed the engineers to death that day and said his sword, quote, went through him as easily as butter. 
Well, next, Cornelius solidified his power by telling four men that he needed them to go help out Weeby Hayes on the North Island. They hopped in a raft and set off, but as soon as they were at sea, his henchmen jumped on them and tied them up. All but one was tossed overboard. The fourth man swore an oath of loyalty to Cornelius. He didn't say shit the next day when another three men were taken out to sea, and two were drowned, and yet another one begged for mercy and swore loyalty. And this is the worst part of this, is these guys are like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll go over there and help those guys, help those soldiers. You know, they don't have, they think they're being good and helpful, and then they just get fucking tied up and tossed overboard to just fucking drown. Which, that's like a fucking nightmare to me. Just drowning, tied up? Just having, yeah, being bound, and then drowning, because like, you're not able to, you know, use your hands to, you know, at least try something. Mm-hmm. And there's some more people that die later in this story that, you know, maybe they don't have use of their hands when it could have been beneficial. Mm. And that's just kind of creepy to me. So let me get this straight. We've talked about this before, where you don't want to die like get shot in the back of the head and never know what's coming. Yeah. But you also don't want to be tied up and thrown over board and drown slowly. I just don't want to die, Chris. <laughs> I don't want to die. I'm scared. <laughs> I like drinking things. I'm too... A- Try new whiskey. I- I'm too important to die. Take my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Take her, please. That's what I let me live. Let me live. That's what I told that mugger that one time. He's like, dude, I just want your wallet. It's like, no, kill my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Free me. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be funny if yeah, that was a situation. Like, no, please just take her. (laughs) Let me go. And then he lets you both go. <laughs> oh, y'all gotta go like y'all gotta go home and you know finish whatever fucking show you're <laughs> yeah. like Ozarks. You gotta finish the season finale of Ozarks that night, and you're just like acting like nothing's wrong <laughs> until <sighs> she has a problem with it. Oh God, women! Here we go. You go like a forty minute car ride back, and you're just like Silence. flipping through the radio, like oh nothing good on tonight. Just like hmm. <laughs> you know, and you get home. Fuck. Fuck, that didn't work. You're watching the Ozarks and you're like, oh, can you believe what just happened? Hmm. Mm. And then as soon as you lay down in bed, that's when, you know, I just think it's funny that and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 We're going to be up till two in the morning, aren't we? <laughs> I wish he would have fucking killed you. <laughs> and you end up making love. Nothing is solved. No. Nothing is solved. You just repress everything. But the sex is great, so it's okay. <laughs> but then like, Five seconds post-coitus, you're like, oh, God, I hate her. Yeah, and then, like, <laughs> six years from then, you're in a fight, and it's like, you didn't do the dishes. You didn't put the dishes away from the dishwasher, and you're laying in bed, and she's like, you know, you don't put the dishes away. You tried to have me killed by a mugger. I'm starting to think you don't care about it. <laughs> <laughs> Who says mugger? Is your, is your wife from the 50s? <laughs> yeah. It was a, it was a hooligan. <laughs> On July 9th, the survivors on Batavia's graveyard and Trader's Island noticed smoke coming from the North Island. Hayes and his men had found water. The survivors on Trader's Island scurried for their boats and headed for Batavia's graveyard. Cornelius ordered his men to attack these boats. Did you say Batavia's graveyard? Did I? <laughs> sounded like graveyard. Graveyard. That sounds delicious. Come on down <laughs> to the country kitchen, Batavia's graveyard. <laughs> Just out there in your front yard, just dipping biscuits in the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Got my chicken fingers. I'm dipping green beans. <laughs> this is just a great thing. <laughs> <kingdom. laughs> 
Well, if I did say graveyard, I meant graveyard, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, you know what? Petition right now. Uh, change.org. Change the name of that island to Batavia's Graveyard, and we'll just put a fucking chicken finger check. Let's not let's not stop at the name. <laughs> I want the function to be Batavia's Graveyard. <laughs> needs to be a government-funded yard of gravy. Just a complete island of gravy. With dippables and... Mm. I feel like that's another good idea that gets, you know, the politics get all fucking messed up in it when they're trying to decide between white cream gravy and the brown meat gravy and there's like uh, you know it just doesn't happen because they can't agree on anything i say you just mix them but then you have the gravy you know segregationists that oh yeah. just don't allow that to happen say it's a, against god's will absolutely stupid yeah gravy should remain separate but equal anybody saying i can't have my gravy the way i want it that's bullshit it's gravy folk the bible says gravy should remain separate it's it's Adam and Steve, not brown and cream. Just saying. No, wait, not Adam and Steve. Whoops, Adam and Steve. Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think we're going to settle this here. I think we, we should probably get back to the history. But I, I just want to say I, I, I vehemently disagree with you, and we should keep our gravy separate. That's all I'm saying. It's better for America if we keep our gravy se- separate. This has been a Chris editorial. Thank you. Salute to you. Chris is the worst person in the world. <laughs> and I, you know what? I don't want that to be a metaphor for anything, if that's what our listeners are thinking. I'm so glad that you played that side of the gravy <laughs> argument. Somebody had to be the heel, right? Yep. Weren't we talking about a shipwreck or some shit? Like murders? Maybe. <laughs> you dug this grave, you fucking sit in it. <laughs> Anyways, Cornelius ordered his men to attack those boats. Several men on the boats realized what was happening and attempted to swim to safety, but they drowned. It's it's like, oh shit, some bad stuff's about to happen. Well, let's go underwater and... (gasps) I can't swim! Oh god, this is terrible! (laughs) Oh, this is way worse! I should have taken my chances! Well, those who didn't drown were executed by Cornelius's men. Two of them actually made it to shore and laid at the feet of Euronymus, who simply said, Give them no quarter. And then had them killed. Can I have a, at least a dime, sir? <laughs> I just need gas to get to the next exit. He's making a play on words. Kill him. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny, though? <laughs> if he's like, Give them no quarter. And one of them's like, Hey, how about a nickel? He's doing fucking jazz hands. <laughs> like, oh, please torture him first. <laughs> yeah, kill. <laughs> what do you guys think about airline food? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> they should make the airplane out of airline food. <laughs> Why don't we sh- see how we can shove a sword up his anus and see how long it takes this guy to bleed out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in addition to these men, there were also three women and two children on those boats. They were taken to the deep water and thrown overboard. Their heavy clothing dragged them down, and they all drowned. Well, now it was clear to everyone that Euronymous was a piece of shit. Only just now? Well, before he could get away with it, he's like, this guy stole from us, this guy was trying to build rafts and escape and leave Mm -hmm. us high and dry. Now these people are standing on Batavia's graveyard just watching as they swim out and just murder the shit out of some people, you know? 
He's like, please help me. Uh, fucking stab in the skull. <laughs> stabby, stabby. <laughs> yeah, but it was clear he was a piece of shit. But he and his men controlled all the weapons, and there was no way for anyone who rose up against them to escape. The rest of the survivors were prisoners who were forced to swear loyalty to Euronymous and his men. The first to be tested was a German named Hans Harden. <laughs> I'd be Hans Harder. <laughs> Is there a Hans, you know, soft in the middle? Because that's a moi. <laughs> I still don't get that. You've said that before. <laughs> like, just the base is erect, the end is erect, and the soft is just... It's bendy. It's, or the, it, the middle's just... <laughs> it, it's like a kid's straw. It just bends in the middle a little. Okay. You can still suck on it. but Twisty in, on the end? <laughs> Like a pig's tail? <laughs> yes, exa- like a, a duck's penis. It's a corkscrew. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But a soft in the middle corkscrew, if you will. Hans had traveled with his wife and his six-year-old daughter, Hiltke. One day, Euronymous called Hans and his wife into his tent for dinner. While they dined, one of Cornelius's men went to their tent and strangled six-year-old Hiltke to death. All to see how Hans would react. That's so fucked. It's so fucked up. Like, you try and put yourself in that situation, you're fucked either way. You can't oppose this guy, you'll be dead. Your whole family will be dead if you oppose him. And so, he goes and kills your daughter, and you gotta be like, good job, boss. Well, and that's what Hans did, you know, he did it just to see how Hans would react, and, you know, to keep his wife and himself alive, you know, he ended up remaining loyal to Cornelius. But, dude, like... It's easy for me to say, sitting, you know, at a fucking computer. Mm-hmm. I just don't think I could do that. No. Or if I did, it would just, like, I'd be plotting this motherfucker's death, even if, you know, it meant a self-sacrifice sort of scenario. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, we've talked about this before on this show. You know, I have a daughter around that age, and I've I've said, you know, my wife and my child die. It's it's end for me. That's it. I'm mm-hmm. fucking done. You know, you you kill my kid, man. I'm I'm coming at you. I don't give a shit. If I don't make it two steps and you end up stabbing me in the throat, I'm coming at you. I can't, I can't be like, oh yeah, way to go, man. And I don't. At the same time, though, I don't fault this guy because he's trying to keep his wife alive at this point. You know, it's, it's a tough place to be in. But I don't know. I'd, it'd be, I'd be fucking dead. I, I just see how many people I kill before I was dead. Oh, even if they didn't, you know, kill my kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. If I knew that charging would get my wife killed, yeah. And myself, I would, I would, do it. I would just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That way, I could die with a good conscience, knowing that I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't bring the blade down. <laughs> you look over at her, but I'd feel good knowing that it was brought down <laughs> right before you charge. You like remember that time I asked you to buy Frito scoops and you brought regular Fritos, and then you just like Rah! start screaming at the guy and charging him, yeah. and they kill both of you. And you're like, fucking worth yeah. it. <laughs> Her boyfriend would be so upset. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next, Euronymous had one of the men he had spared in the boats early on, Andres de Vries, go into the sick tent and slit all the throats of the 15 men who were in there suffering from scurvy and malnutrition. Which is like the easiest task. Like, why don't you kill this guy? He's, He's a six foot, 300 pound monster of a Dutchman with fucking trees for arms. Or you can go in here and kill all the sick guys laying in bed. Sick guys. Got it. I'm on the sick guy, dude. <laughs> the next night, five more were killed when they fell ill. By the middle of July, Cornelius had ordered the killing of 50 people. 
Only about 80 to 90 remained on Batavia's graveyard, and those who weren't actively working for him had sworn loyalty to him. Soon thereafter, he ordered his men to attack the survivor on Seals Island. And they're like, thank fucking Christ, this guy has one song. <laughs> he only sent seven of his men, but the 40 or so people on that island were completely unarmed and unaware that they were targets of an attack. Like, oh, here come Cornelius' guys. They're bringing some water. They're just coming to say hi. You know, they got a, you know, a pie they baked for us. Just, hey, how's it going? Stab! Right in the throat. Almost all of them were killed, but a few escaped on self-made rafts and sailed for Weeby Hayes on the North Island. On July 21st, a raid of the minister's tent was conducted, and another seven people were killed, including all but one of the minister's children. The mutineers then went on to kill a few more people that night. Whereas the first murders had served somewhat of a purpose or could be tied to some bullshit made-up false crime, these were the first that the mutineers seemed to just be doing for fun. There was literally nothing to do on the island, and as the days passed, the mutineers found killing to be their only source of fun. I'm getting dangerously close with this fucking shelter-in-place stuff. Just saying. <laughs> yeah? Like, I can only play Scrabble so many times before I just want to go stab somebody. Dude, you should just do it. I should. Just make sure they're homeless. We'll never find out. <laughs> they don't have loved ones. Well, they do, but their loved ones have given up on them years ago. That's, they burned those bridges a long time ago. Now they just sit on bridges and beg for money. <laughs> uh, just a gentle reminder that we're donating to... Yeah, <laughs> uh, We're not donating to a homeless shelter. We're battered women's, right? Well, battered women's shelter, they're homeless. Oh, that's true. Yeah, they don't have any place to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gentle reminder, we're donating our Patreon proceeds and matching them to homeless battered women. Uh, anyone who signed up for the Patreon in the last month. And we'll, it's the end of this week, right? Yeah, it's the end of this episode. Or the end of this month. Yeah. Good on you guys for helping out. Yeah, just to make us feel a little bit better about the horrible shit we say on this podcast. Yeah, all the bad jokes. I'm like, oh no, I, I totally contributed. I hope. <laughs> Here's 12 bucks, homeless. <laughs> 12. <laughs> <laughs> the only time Euronymous got in on the action was when he attempted to poison an infant. Like, big man. Bad motherfucker. Well, since he was a shitty fucking pharmacist, uh, the poison didn't work. The kids survived long enough for Cornelius to just order someone else to finish the fucking job for him. Ugh. Yeah, this guy. He, He's a piece. You know, we talked about this in the Robespierre episode where it's like, you want to order the death of all these people, but you don't actually have any part in it. Yeah. And we compared this piece of shit to H.H. H. Holmes, but at least H.H. H. Holmes was killing his people. I'll give him that. Give him the credit. This guy's like, ugh. I don't want to kill anybody. Here, let me try to just kill this baby. I'll give it something to where I can, like, run away, and then, you know, it'll die when I'm not there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, it didn't work. All right, James, go go kill that baby. I'm a hero. <laughs> dude, it's destined, dude. Mm -hmm. It's a libertine. <laughs> it's part of God's plan. God wanted me to suck at killing. He wanted you to do it for me. <laughs> In the month and a half he had been on the island, Euronymous Cornelius had orchestrated the murder of 120 men, women, and children. Only about 45 remained, and they were all either loyal to him or served a purpose for his mutiny like crafters or engineers. He kept the minister alive only so he could mock him with his heresy. This, one, this was kind of my favorite troll moment from this fucking book. I know these guys are a piece of shit, but the minister's basically sitting there praying. He's like, please, God, take them on. Redo it. I heard your phone okay. vibrate. 
And so this is like my favorite part of the trolling. I know these guys are pieces of shit, but this part kind of made me laugh in the book. They're talking about the ministers like on his knees in the sand praying to guys like, please take them under your wings. And they take like dismembered flaps for from seals, like they're fucking fins yeah. and they're flapping over their head and like, we don't need it. We got wings already, priest. <laughs> like pieces of shit. How disheartening. <laughs> he also kept Lucretia Jans alive because, well, he wanted to bone her. The rest of the women were kept alive and passed around amongst the men. But there was still one big problem for Euronymous. Weeby Hayes and his men on the North Island. While Cornelius had been slaughtering people on Batavia's graveyard, the ship's captain, Jacobs, and the merchant Palsert were still out searching for resources. They arrived on the northern coast of Australia a few days after setting out, but found that the beaches were lined with cliffs and there didn't appear to be a safe place to land their small boat. Reminds me of Chris. (laughs) So they decided to make the 1,800-mile journey to Java instead on this small fucking boat. Ugh, that'd be terrifying. (laughs) Yeah, they said it. I don't have my seafaring legs like Chris, though. And we we're only mentioning Pelisart and Jacobs, but there are forty people on this fucking tiny ass boat, and they say it's like six inches above the waterline. So if there's a storm or a rogue, they're all fucking dead. So yeah. Well, the journey was dangerous, and their ship was tiny, but they made it on June twenty seventh, three weeks after the ship had crashed into the reef. Pretty much immediately after they arrived, Pelisart told the company about the captain and his boatswain's mutiny, and they were arrested. Yeah, and they thought they were going to be heroes because they landed in Java, like we got safety for our people. And he's like, oh, you knew about that whole fucking plan to seal the boat, huh? Yeah. Whoops. Get in the clink. <laughs> the boatswain, Everts, was tortured until he confessed to sexually assaulting Lucretia Jans, and he was hanged. For the time being, Jacobs was held in detention, you know, but not for his mutiny, but for putting his ship in danger. Yeah, and once again, this is a very uh, capitalist endeavor. And it's all about the money. You're like, mm, I don't give a shit about you mutinied, but what happened to all my fucking silver? Palsert then loaded up a ship and headed back to the islands to rescue any survivors. Well, he was planning on making it back in mid-August, which would have been ten weeks after the wreck, so really any survivors would kind of be a bonus. In actuality, he was really going back to salvage any gold and silver that he could. He wouldn't make it back until the middle of September. That's a long time. Big difference. Yeah. Meanwhile, Weeby Hayes was building defenses on his island. After survivors of the Seals Island attack made it to him, Hayes realized that it was only a matter of time before Cornelius sent men to attack him. Hayes began construction of limestone guard towers that overlooked the beach and constructed rudimentary weapons. Since they had found water and wildlife, the men on Hayes Island were well-nourished and ready, but Cornelius's men had the swords and muskets. It was to Hayes' benefit that Euronymous Cornelius was a terrible tactician. He gave Hayes a two-week head start to build up his defenses. At the end of July, Cornelius sent a spy defector who was promptly captured and imprisoned. Hey guys, just, I, I hate that Cornelius too, right? <laughs> Get in the clank. <laughs> he then ordered two unsuccessful attacks on Hayes Island, in which the mutineers were turned back, but neither side suffered any casualties. Not only was Euronymous a terrible tactician, he also thought he was much smarter than he was. On September 2nd, Cornelius took his 40-man army to a small island that was about 400 yards away from the North Island. Cornelius then crossed the gap on a raft with a small group. 
He had planned on offering new clothes to Hayes and his men as a peace offering, and then ambushing them when they came to accept the deal. Such a stupid fucking plan. <laughs> all right? Come on, guy. Here, Everything's all good. <laughs> you guys like Ed Hardy? I got a lot of his shirts right here, buddy. Oh, you got to kill him just for that. Yeah, you got right? rhinestones and shit. Oh, this fucking guy. He's a douche. We should just kill him right now. <laughs> Well, Hayes, you know, luckily wasn't a moron, and instead he sent men out to immediately capture Cornelius. All of his bodyguards, except one man named Vutulus, were killed. Luce escaped back to the boat and the remaining mutineers. Together, they all fled back to Batavia's graveyard. Over the past three months, Cornelius had lived in a tent surrounded by gold and silver and wore Pelsart's fine clothes. Now a prisoner of the Defenders, he was thrown into a hole and forced to pluck and clean birds they caught for food. He would spend the rest of his time there living in piles of bird guts, but for every nine birds he cleaned, he got to keep one, you know, as a salary. Yep. Capitalism, man. Trickle-down economy. Dude, better than what he fucking did to people. <laughs> well, Vutulus was an actual soldier and a far better military leader than Cornelius had been. So when he launched another attack on Weebe Hayes... This time, he decided to bring the muskets with him. Oh, maybe we should bring those gun things instead of just fucking clothes. <laughs> like, what a fucking military genius. These guns could only fire one round a minute, but they were able to keep the defenders at a distance and in cover. Eventually, three of Hayes' men were shot and one was killed. Luz, you know, formerly Cornelius's bodyguard, knew he had the advantage. Soon, Hayes would have to mount a charge and he wouldn't stand much of a chance against the mutineers' swords and guns. It was just then that Palsert's rescue ship appeared on the horizon. Like, what fucking timing is that? Right? That that's is like, some, like, straight-up fiction book shit. That's movie timing. Like, But the shit happened. Bad guy has a gun to your head, and he's pointing at you, and you hear the gunshot, and all of a sudden the bad guy looks down, and the blood's coming out of his <laughs> own shirt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vutulus retreated to Batavia's graveyard. He had given up and refused to attack any further, but several of his men boarded a ship with their weapons to try and take over the rescue boat. Hayes realized what was happening and sent boats of his own out to warn Pelser. Hayes won the race and the mutineers were captured. All of the men who were in that boat eventually would be executed. Over the next few weeks, all of the men were interrogated. At the time, the Dutch, specifically the VOC, had a rule that no man could be charged without having confessed. That's bullshit. <laughs> right? <laughs> of course, to get confessions, they tortured the shit out of people and took whatever they said, you know, during this whole torture thing as straight gospel, even if they later recanted. Okay, now it makes sense. Then it's like, we have to have a confession. Hold on. Let me just torture the shit out of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right, we got it. Yeah. Well, you know, as you would imagine, under torture, every man confessed and said that Cornelius had been head dick in charge. However, Cornelius was adamant that none of it had been his idea, and he was only doing what he had to do to survive. They then performed an ancient form of waterboarding, in which the prisoner had a funnel placed around his head like a dog, and then water was poured into the funnel to the point that the man had to drink it quickly or drown. Most men became bloated and sick very quickly and began to gasp for air and offer up confessions. Cornelius was no exception. This is one of those tortures you think, no big deal, I can drink a shitload of water. Just keep going. <laughs> Fuck you. But no, man. And then you start, like, you drink so much, you start throwing up back into the cone. Yeah, you get waterlogged. You have to drink your own vomit with the water. Oh, man, that's fucking, it's just a nightmare. 
That's, you know, you being tied up, thrown overboard, or being shot in the back of the head silently without any warning, this is my nightmare, just fucking being tortured to death. I don't have the, the willpower. I would As soon as, like, the first drop hit my face, like, I'll tell you everything. I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, me too. This is also the worst way to die. Like I said, any way to die is just the worst way to die. <laughs> I'm so afraid of dying. This should be the focus of our podcast. Today, we're going to tell you about the worst way to die. Forget last week. Just forget what we said last week. This is the worst way to fucking die. It's like die. multiple heart attacks over the course of seven years of obesity and cholesterol and hypertension issues. Mm-hmm. Dude, that's the worst way to die. That's the worst way to go. I'm just no warning. <laughs> well, Cornelius was sentenced to death. First, his hands were to be cut off, and then he would be hanged. Like I said, we would eventually get to another part where the hands become useless. Oh. So instead of like a lot of people that would be hanged, their hands would be tied behind their back. Mm-hmm. Fuck, just cut off the hands. You don't have to use the rope. Oh, that's smart. You know? That is smart. I will say, my hands become useless when I'm looking at straight porn. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> is it the hand that becomes useless? <laughs> well, you know, the whole, the whole thing... The whole operation is futile at that point. <laughs> okay. Well, he was held prisoner in a tent while the gallows were built on Seals Island. <laughs> one song, Seal! Get a career! At one point, someone snuck him in some poison he had crafted. But, once again, let us remind you that Cornelius was a shitty fucking pharmacist, and the poison didn't work. It only made him suffer. On October 1st, Cornelius was led to the gallows. His hands were cut off with a hammer and a chisel. Like, not a sword or fucking anything like that. Hammer and a chisel. You use the tools God gave you. I'm just saying. Can you imagine how long it takes to take off a fucking pair of hands with a hammer and a chisel? Yeah, that's why I put some emphasis on it. He was then hanged, but it was not an instant death. He was slowly strangled and likely bled to death long before the noose could kill him. Six of his fellow mutineers were also hanged that day. So I do like the idea that they're like, oh, let's cut off his hands. Like, that's some sort of symbolic thing, and then let's hang him. And they don't think about that. They don't think of that, okay, he's going to bleed to death long before he fucking strangles. So what's the point in fucking hanging him? Just cut off his hands and let him bleed in the fucking sand. It took like three days to build these gallows. Let's, let's get some efficiency 1629 Dutch East Indies fucking execution squad. Let's get some fucking efficiency. Let's just kill them as quick as possible and get the fuck off this shit-ass island. There's a a reason this company doesn't exist anymore. And it's not slavery. Don't go there, Greg. It's other reasons. Okay. (laughs) It was their dividends. (laughs) Palser had been the one to hand out those sentences. He was fairly lenient on the other men, ordering them to be flogged or physically tortured, but not killed. Two of the mutineers, Vutrulus and Jan Pelgrim, were marooned on the Australian coast, technically making them the first European settlers of that continent. Give them uh, applause, Wolf Dick. Fucking heroes. They discovered Australia. Yeah! I mean, let's, let's ignore what took it to get there, but yeah. Hooray! When Pelser arrived back in Java with their survivors, he was fired for failing to control his ship and his cargo, and most of the men he had spared were executed by the VOC anyway. He would die of an illness a year later. It is unknown what happened to the ship's captain, Ariane Jacobs. He was tortured but never confessed, but it is unlikely that he survived his stay in the Java prison. 
Of the 341 passengers that left Amsterdam in 1628, only 122 would survive the journey to Java. And just a little note there, uh, Lucretia Jans, the woman who was sexually assaulted, did survive. But when she arrived in Java, she found out her husband... It was, yeah. He was already dead. Yeah. Oh. Well, you know what? They say it's not the destination. It's the the way you get sexually assaulted along the, the way. And three kids dying right before it. Yeah. yeah. She had a fun life. Yeah. Silver linings. I'm not sure her <laughs> what, were, what hers were, but, uh, you know. Ugh. Well, most importantly of all, most of the treasure was salvaged from the Batavia wreck, and the Dutch East Indies Company had another year of record fucking profits. And in the end, that made all the mutiny, murder, and warfare worth the effort. End of story. That's for you. That's just for you. Oh, thank you. Well, Gregory, that was a fun tale of murder on the high seas. Mm, so fun. Well, not so, not so much on the high seas. Murder on the tiny island. Right off the high seas, though. Yes. Like, you could see the high seas. Now it's time to get into the favorite segment of this small archipelago off the northwestern coast of Australia. This favorite segment. Surprises slash misconceptions you might have had about this story. Well, I suppose I'll go first. You do, every time, as main host. Sexy main host. Uh, My surprise is more, it's like a, a factoid that just hearing it kind of provides some interesting context. It's that this is Australia's first and worst mass murder. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Didn't know that. So, like, yeah. their very first mass murder has, you know, held true throughout these hundreds of years to still be their worst. We don't get that in America. I was about to say, that's why I'm proud to be an American, We get, we get new <laughs> records every couple of years, <laughs> we baby. Can, yeah. yeah, we top that record every time a person gets disgruntled. Like, every other year, man. That's mm-hmm. why I'm proud to be an American, baby. We one-upsmanship. That's what we do best. Disgusting. <laughs> what is your uh, surprise slash misconception? Um, so, I didn't know anything going into this story. I'll, I'll just... Fully admit well, that. yeah, the entire yeah. thing was a fucking surprise to me. <laughs> I'll <laughs> like, put it that way. Never heard, never heard of it. Um, one very cool surprise that came out of this as I was finishing my story, and we don't mention it in the notes here. So when they land on these islands, they're basically slate and dirt. There's no vegetation. The yeah, have you seen them? Well, the 120 corpses gave birth to all this fucking vegetation. There's like all sorts of bushes and scrub now on these islands. It's called Beacon Island now. But it's very cool that like now there's plants and stuff. You know, Uh, it was worth it. Barely, dude. It was probably worth it. Okay, Greg. There's probably some tiny insects and birds now living on that island. Thanks to all these fucking people who were murdered horribly for uh, trying to survive. That's their only sin. They were trying to survive. So... Uh, thank you for your sacrifice, 400-year-old uh, Dutch people. And that was my surprise. No, thank you. <laughs> Gregory, take us home. Again, guys, please find us at 100proofhistory.com. Uh, check out our Patreon. We would appreciate it if you would consider becoming a patron. If not, as always, we just appreciate you listening. Uh, I'm past that point. Nope. You know what? If you're listening, you're just sucking off the government teat. You dead weight motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, this is a 
It's a labor of love. Yeah, we have fun. Just like when my mom gave birth to me. It was a labor of love. She was in love with the man that impregnated her. She really fucking hated being pregnant with me and wanted she to get that no out of the way so they could get back to just that dirty fucking right after, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I was to say, she didn't know who the the that man was kind of like a mama mia situation you're gonna go well, she just wanted to fight. get back to dirty fucking period i guess <laughs> there's not a whole lot of dudes besides guys like you that just you know really have it out for large pregnant women mm, mm. the good old third trimester surprise let me rub some oil on your belly and then do naughty things to you ladies. Well, anyway, uh, well, I guess that's it. Uh, I'm going to go fantasize about Greg's mom rubbing some olive oil on her belly. And we'll see you next time. You're a fucking creep. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. We're fucking chicks and sucking dicks. At the same time. Going fast and eating ass. <laughs> when they arrived at Cape Hope, I quit. <laughs> all the shit that has happened on this podcast, all the, the multitude of arguments we've gotten into, the times you threaten violence, as soon as you missay I, I couldn't of, get five words. <laughs> I couldn't say Cape of Good Hope. I'm, I'm fucking done. I hate podcasting. Flip the table, walk out of the room. <laughs> yeah, main mask. Mm. Ooh. Ooh. It's not my side mast, it's my main mast. It's my mizzen mast. What's that mean? I don't know. It's a thing. Oh. Other islands in the archipelago. Archipelago. <laughs> what is this, a fucking musical group? <laughs> that is when Cap'n Yacht... Cap'n? Cap'n. Cap'n. Cap'n Crunch. <laughs> you know, if his cereal was better, he'd made Admiral by now. I'm just saying. <laughs>